Well, hello there. Welcome to the first episode of The Reality of Fantasy. I'm your host, Jesse Cook, and today is August 13th, 2019. So, being episode one, probably important to give you a little introduction to what's going to be going on here. Uh, This podcast is going to focus on fantasy sports. We're going to look at it from a couple different lenses. We'll look at season long and daily fantasy sports as well. Uh, We'll be incorporating all major sports. That includes NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, and PGA. Uh, Primarily, though, it's going to focus on the NFL and Major League Baseball. And definitely with the NFL on the horizon, the initial content will be NFL-centric. So a little bit about me. I currently reside in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I went to undergraduate at the University of Arizona. I'm currently a clinical psychology doctoral student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And I am a researcher who specializes in studying sleep. Uh, So I like to bring an analytic lens to everything that I do. And fantasy sports has been a devout hobby of mine since the sixth grade. When my buddies Stephen Walden and Alon Slovin and I would take the newspapers in Miss Basham's class, our math class, and we would uh, analyze or utilize the statistics to determine who won and lost fantasy football for that week. Uh, so I've been doing this for quite some time. Currently, I play on multiple daily fantasy formats and am involved in many season-long leagues as well as other dynasty um, mediums. So, I got a long litany of doing this, a long history of doing this. Uh, I'm really excited to get this podcast up and running. And today I have two, I think, important topics to help you get prepared for your upcoming NFL drafts. First, I'm going to focus on some undervalued and overvalued NFL teams. Uh, This is relative to their draft price based on the strength of schedule, or what we can say is the anticipated strength of schedule, which utilizes data from the last year uh, to evaluate and estimate what type of competition these players will be facing across their 16-game schedule. And then I will also uh, outline, if drafting today, how I would go about drafting the first 12 players, a first round, in a 12-team full-point PPR Uh, draft standard scoring format. Uh, Hopefully these two components of today's podcast will help you have an edge over your competitors in your drafts. So without further ado, let's dive in. And the first team that I'd like to call undervalued, and when we refer to undervalued, these certainly aren't the best fantasy teams per se. In fact, you'll probably be surprised by some of the teams that are on this list. Uh, These are teams that you can get players from much lower down in the uh, drafting rounds, and they may give you better return on your investment than, say, teams that have uh, really notable players uh, that are being drafted higher that have to have elite seasons to pay off their value. Uh, These players are in advantageous situations based on their anticipated schedule. So one team I'd like to highlight immediately is the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
So data that I'm going to be using today is derived from the Fantasy Pros website because they do great work. And if you want to tune into a fantastic podcast, that's definitely much better than mine. I would uh, steer you to theirs. But if you look at Jacksonville, when looking at the quarterback, they, in theory, based on fantasy points given up last year to the quarterback position, they have the easiest schedule for quarterbacks. They have the easiest schedule for wide receivers. They have the easiest schedule for tight ends. Now, as running backs, they're kind of middle of the pack. They're 18th, uh, or you could say, what would that be? 13th worst in that case. But overall, they have a very advantageous schedule. And no, I'm not going to go out and invest in Nick Foles for my season-long teams, although University of Arizona, I have much respect for Nick Foles. But I think it's interesting to start thinking about players like D.D. Westbrook and Leonard Fournette and feeling comfortable drafting these players. And from a daily perspective, I am going to be stacking Nick Foles, Leonard Fournette, and a wide receiver week one when they take on Kansas City at home. We've seen in the past Kansas City's defense is not good, and they're much worse on the road. This could be a sneaky shootout potential. But I think Leonard Fournette at the back end of the third round is Arguably we're going to be one of the better picks you can take. I'm not a Leonard Fournette fan. I personally detest the individual, but I've heard positive reports coming out of camp, and with this advantageous schedule, uh, this team could be in a position to put up some points, and I want to share that offense. Now, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the wide receiver position. Right now, D.D. Westbrook's a little bit banged up, and he's the only one I really feel comfortable with. Marquise Lee is coming off a severe injury, although when he was healthy, he was a startable number one uh, wideout in the NFL and probably a number two receiver in fantasy. And I think Nick Foles is generally underrated. He could definitely put up points for you uh, and he can move the ball. So definitely a team to keep an eye on. They have some nice pieces with Chris Conley and Keelan Cole as well. I don't think I'm going to dive into Jeff Swaim or James O'Shaughnessy, uh, but I do really like this offense to be better than their average draft position, uh, and I want some pieces of that. Now shifting around and looking at it from the other perspective, a team that I think is overvalued based on strength of schedule. Again, this has nothing to do with talent, coaching regime, anything of that nature, injuries. This is strictly based off strength of schedule and whether they will give you return on investment. Is none other than the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, don't get me wrong. This offense is as potent as it gets in the NFL. They have weapons everywhere and they can decimate even the best of defenses. So yeah, they're gonna put up points and they're gonna put up points in bunches. but. Is investing in these players at their draft price going to win you your fantasy league? Maybe is a question or a comment I can give you. But based on the strength of schedule, I don't think you're getting the return on investment you're looking for where these players are being drafted. They have to, again, have career years to meet their drafting price. Because if you look at Kansas City right now, they technically have the hardest schedule for quarterbacks based on the number of fantasy points given up last year. And they have the second hardest schedule for running backs and the hardest schedule for wide receivers. Now, they technically have a top 10 schedule for tight ends, which is the only player I will openly endorse that I am actually targeting uh, of the primary features in this offense, Travis Kelsey. But you can be assured that I will not have any Patrick Mahomes this year. 
He, he's, I don't draft quarterbacks early, and he's going way too high and has to have another career year. I won't have Damian Williams, mainly because there's murkiness going on with Carlos Hyde. Darwin Thompson seems to be a competent back. And I certainly won't have Tyreek Hill because I don't deal with the so much of the boom or bust. He's not really a bust, but so much reliance on his boom games. I'm not really into that type of receiver, especially at his asking price. So again... Uh, if I'm going to target Kansas City, it's specifically for Travis Kelsey. This offense is as dynamic as it gets, but I think their asking prices prices are prohibitive from a competent drafting standpoint. Uh, one name to keep an eye on is Miko Hardman. He's looked really good so far in the preseason. He had a nice little touch pass play. Uh, in their first preseason game, and he looks extremely dynamic, and uh, Andy Reid certainly has a way of getting the most out of dynamic players, so he may be someone that's worth investing in for sure. Uh, now, going back to the undervalued te- play, or the team, I really like Baltimore. Um, there's a lot of hype around Lamar Jackson, sure, but he's still going like 16th to 18th on most draft boards for quarterbacks, and so I think he provides you a great floor from the quarterback position. I'm not sure what to make of Mark Ingram at running back at this point. He looked to be uh, degrading with his time there at the end of um, in New Orleans. And they are a pretty competent unit, New Orleans is, whereby if they sense a player is not going to be uh, similar to the Patriots, if they, if they sense weakness or vulnerability, they won't invest in that player. And they definitely did that with Mark Ingram. And it remains to be seen how much the performance-enhancing substances he was using were uh, driving or causal for his success. But if you look specifically at their numbers of what they're facing, they have the fifth easiest schedule for quarterbacks, the easiest schedule for running backs, as far as the most fantasy points given up to running backs per game coming up. And that's no surprise because they have Cincinnati and Pittsburgh in their division. Uh, they have uh, the 12th easiest schedule for wide receivers, which is not really a big factor for this team because they're going to be so run heavy, and the 5th easiest schedule for tight ends. So when I look at the pieces on this team, what I'm trying to put together from this team, and what they're going to be likely going up against and the weaknesses they'll be facing, it's a perfect match. I want the runners on this team. I want Lamar Jackson. I want to figure out whether Justice Hill is going to get burned. I may actually invest in Mark Ingram just based on schedule and the fact that he's going to touch the ball 20 times a game. I like the defense. I think they'll be ahead. That just aids to a more rush-heavy attack, which is advantageous based on their anticipated schedule. And the problem with this team from a tight end perspective, although they like to utilize the tight ends, there's just too many, I think, that are going to... Uh, cannibalize each other's productions. You have Mark Andrews, who's the one I'm most interested in. He has rapport with Lamar, with Lamar Jackson. He's looked good last year in a couple um, pop spots. And I think he has a decent year. And I would be fine with him being a, I took a shot on you. I'm not starting you week one. But I feel good about the fact that you may emerge as a kind of sleeper tight end later on in the season. I don't think I'm going after any of these wide receivers. Uh, but if it were, it would be Marquise Brown. Unfortunately, Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle, I just don't see the volume. But again, this team has sneaky upside based on their anticipated schedule. The fact they'll probably be winning these games as well. And so going after and feeling comfortable with Lamar Jackson seems reasonable. And I, I if you have any insight into their backfield and how it's going to shake out, if Mark Ingram's going to touch the ball 20 plus times a game, I say lock and load. I got burned last year by Alex Collins, so I have a little bit of a 
sour taste in my mouth, but I, I still may go back to the well here uh, for this team. Now shifting around again, we're going to look at a team that uh, is potentially overvalued based on their anticipated schedule, and we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, this team has a lot of hype around it right now, and rightfully so. I actually uh, just put some units on them to win the Super Bowl. I believe in this team. They were able to stop the run last year. They got torched by the pass. Uh, they're a pretty good unit. However, when it comes to fantasy sports, we have to think about return on investment, as I'll keep saying and reiterating. And right now, based on schedule and based on how this team wants to execute their game plan, I'm not certain that these players are going to return the expected value you want. So we saw last year when the coaching change happened that they went very run heavy, which is certainly favorable for Nick Chubb. And I'm a huge fan of Nick Chubb. He may be the only player I'm willing to touch on this roster. Baker's going way too early for me in drafts, and Odell Beckham... With the injury concerns and the fact that they're a run-heavy team, I just don't know that I'm going to be drafting him in the first round. It's Even if he's there at the 12th pick, I don't think I'm taking him. You'll see later I have him ranked as in the first round, but I just don't think I'm taking him uh, with my concerns of volume uh, and schedule, which we'll talk about here. So the Browns face what is the third hardest schedule. Actually, yeah, the third hardest schedule in the NFL when it comes to giving up points to the quarterback position. Not so good for Baker. Uh, they also have the 12th hardest schedule for running backs and the 11th hardest schedule for uh, wide receivers and a difficult schedule for tight ends as well. It looks like fifth worst or yeah, somewhere around there. Um, seventh worst. So overall, it's a not favorable schedule for this team. Um, that's no surprise. You know, they're going to have to play uh, the Ravens and you know they don't get the advantage of playing themselves and things like that as well it is interesting um, when you think of Nick Chubb though you have to worry about Kareem Hunt coming back later on in the season and how that's going to shake out and this Dontrell Hilliard guy has actually looked really good in preseason and reports are coming out that they respect him a lot so as much as I love the pieces of this unit I don't know that I'm going to be getting any of them except for maybe Nick Chubb at the 10th pick in the draft uh, because of where they're going in the draft itself. I don't have any interest in Jarvis Landry. I don't have any interest in Rashad Higgins, even with Antonio Callaway suspended. And I don't have any interest in David Njoku. I think the ball's going to spread around a lot. Baker's shown that. He's very talented, but his draft price is too much for the position and uh, the anticipated schedule. So a team that I am very high on and will probably have too many shares of their players, which will probably be the end of me uh, I think they're undervalued based on schedule and their dynamic because they're very transparent is the Seattle Seahawks uh, the Seahawks come in with the sixth easiest quarterback schedule the sixth easiest running back schedule the eighth easiest wide receiver schedule and a tough tight end schedule so for me it doesn't really matter about the tight end because I'm not going after Will Disley Say what you want about Big Mountain, or whatever they call him, Big Montana, I'm not playing him. I'm not going after him. But I am really interested in Chris Carson, and maybe some Rashad Penny if I miss out on Chris Carson, and I want to probably lock in that backup. I'm a huge fan of Chris Carson. I will have all the ownership of Chris Carson this year, and I think you should feel confident going after him in this regard. There's been great reports that he's been able to catch the ball better, so yada, yada, yada. Uh, and... 
when in doubt, you can play Russ Wilson, but again, he's going too high on the draft boards. I also think that David Moore is sneaky for a touchdown upside. Uh, Tyler Lockett, in theory, has regression coming, but he's still the number one there, and I still think he's got a lot of touchdown volume. But for me, I think these this team... You can get pieces of it for cheap, the Chris Carson, the Rashad Pennies, that will pay dividends. They will outperform their draft price. Uh, and I, I think it's a good place to look for sure. Another team that I think is overvalued based on the schedule is the Green Bay Packers. Um, so don't get me wrong, Aaron Rodgers is still ruthless. He's a savage. I'm a Bears fan, so I've seen enough of Aaron Rodgers in my life. I have the utmost confidence in Devontae Adams, their receiving core. I think Aaron Jones is a stud. I like a lot of what their pieces have, but I think they're going way too early for what they're going to have to face. If I read off the numbers, they have the 25th hardest, or the 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 uh, seventh hard, <laughs> the seventh hardest schedule uh, for quarterbacks, the fourth hardest schedule for running backs. Uh, the 13th hardest schedule for wide receivers, and middle of the pack schedule for tight ends. And the reality is they have to face the Bears twice and the Vikings twice. An alliance team that slows the ball down and plays at a snail's pace and is not a pushover at home. So that's five games right there where you just don't expect fantasy goodness. And you have an elite roster, don't get me wrong. And Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron Rodgers is as good as it gets. But I'm not drafting a quarterback high. We've already talked about that. And Aaron Jones at the middle to back end of the third round may seem like a steal, but we still have not seen this guy carry a 16-game load. We don't know for sure that he's a three-down back, and he has other question marks as far as schedule. So I have to stay away in this sense. I think he has to have a career year to pay off, and it's possible, but there's also some red flags around it. Devontae Adams is a giant stud. However... There are some emerging talents on this wide receiver team as well. Uh, they like what they have with Marquez Valdez-Scandling. They like what they have with Geronimo Allison. I think the ball gets spread around a little bit more this year. Last year was basically the Devontae Adams show. I think he's still a lock for 10-plus touchdowns. But again, he has to do this to pay off his salary. So I think there's more risk in these teams based on the schedule um, than is worthwhile gambling on when you're playing, when you're drafting. Uh, there are much safer options on other situations that don't have the difficulties with the schedule and have much more clear paths to production. Um, so shifting back to another undervalued team, and this is my team of the year, folks. Team of the year. The Carolina Panthers. I am going all in on the Carolina Panthers and their position players. I won't be having Cam Newton. He's getting drafted too high, although I think this is going to be a great year for Cam. I am all in on Christian McCaffrey. Based on where I'm supposed to be drafting in my drafts, I will have none of Christian McCaffrey because he's at the top end of the drafts and I have bottom end picks in every one of my drafts. But, spoiler alert, I think he's the mo the lock to smash this year. I was spot on last year with C-Mac and Melvin Gordon when I thought they were in smash spots. This year, I think it's the Christian McCaffrey show. They're going to want to protect Cam a little more. He's going to get some more goal, goal line work. This team's going to spread it out. They have two emerging wide receivers in DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Samuel. They have Greg Olson, the veteran tight end. They also have Ian Thomas, who is a physical freak and showed some abilities last year when he had to sub in. This team is primed to have a phenomenal offensive season. And when you look at the defensive rankings they're playing, it just aids uh, in support of what they're going to put up. 
So they have the third easiest quarterback schedule, the 10th easiest running back schedule, and the seventh easiest wide receiver schedule, and a very difficult tight end schedule based on those metrics. But the point is, the players you want to target here are Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel. And yes, Christian McCaffrey has to have a career year to pay off his value because he's going in the top three to four picks. However, he has the road for it. He has the pieces set up in front of him, and there aren't any apparent overt barriers impeding him from getting there. That's why I think he's my favorite player in fantasy football this year, especially in a full-point PPR draft. The draft darling for me is 100% Curtis Samuel. The hype coming around this guy right now is unbelievable, and it's well-deserved. He has such good route-running ability, and he just fits everything you think you're trying to do with this offense, where they're going to go... Spread it out, quick, easy throws, get the ball in your playmaker's hands, and let him turn up field and get going. And he has the ability to make people miss. I think he's going to be a PPR monster. I think DJ Moore is an athletic freak and extremely talented. I think both these guys emerge, could both touch 1,000 yards. We could see a little like Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders combo here. And with that, Cam's going to thrive. So again, I am head over heels in love with the Carolina Panthers this year. And the last team that I think is overvalued based on draft price is the New Orleans Saints. And this is mainly because they're a very, 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 very good football team that can spread the ball around. Uh, Drew Brees has shown egregious home road splits where you clearly only really want to play him at home. And yet he's still being drafted as a top 10 fantasy quarterback when you can really only start him comfortably about eight weeks out of the year. And even still, you could pick up a guy off waivers who's just as competent. I'm a huge fan of Alvin Kamara. Huge fan. I think he's one of those talented players in football. But I don't think Mark Ingram leaving is going to change his workload, so he has to be extremely efficient, which we've seen in multiple years he can do. I think Latavius Murray's the steal on this team, the absolute steal. I think he comes in and approaches touching the ball about 200 times this year. I think it's a phenomenal play and somebody I'll be targeting in the back end of my drafts. I, as far as the receivers go, I don't really want a lot of shares of anyone other than Michael Thomas. I'm a huge fan of Michael Thomas. The problem is he is spotty when it comes to the red zone. This is the team that does not force the ball to their top options. They take what the defense gives them. I think with the emergence, the addition of Jared Cook, uh, they're going to be able to have multiple red zone dominant players in Jared Cook, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Latavius Murray that really are going to cannibalize each other when it comes to touchdowns. They're going to be a highly efficient unit, but that's not great for our fantasy team. We want teams that really, really, really funnel attention to just one or two players. And right now, that's not what I'm seeing with the Saints. And then when you look at their schedule even further, they have the 15th easiest schedule, so middle of the pack for the quarterbacks. They have the 24th, uh, or I guess you could look at it, the 8th hardest schedule for running backs and middle of the pack for receivers, and bottom end for tight ends. And my point here is that, yes, it's not the hardest schedule in the world compared to the other ones we've gone through, but you have to take Kamara in the first round. You have to take Michael Thomas in the first round. You have to take Drew Brees as a top 10 quarterback. These are guys that, if for some reason touchdown variance doesn't go their way, there is no way they reach their ceiling because this is a team that's, at this point in their career, they have Super Bowl aspirations, so they are strictly looking to get up early in games, have their lean on their defense and run the football. And they are perfectly fine winning 24 to 3. And that's great for football. But when it comes to fantasy, I want teams that are in shootouts. I want teams that are going to put up 40 points. I want the Carolina Panthers. I want vulnerability on defense. I want the ability to have to lean on your guns to keep firing the whole time. 
So I, I, I know that it was kind of surprising to throw some shade on the Chiefs, Browns, Packers, and Saints. And again, I want to stress that these are not necessarily uh, negative reflections of their team. In fact, it's actually positive that I have such respect for their anticipated capabilities and where they're being drafted. It's however, when you think about drafting, you have to think about this as an investment. Where am I going to get on my, my return on my investment? What is the most likely outcome for these people? Who are more likely to bust versus have their median output versus have a peak season? And where do I want to invest my draft resources because of that? And again, because of the schedules, I just think those four teams um, are likely to underperform based on draft values. And Jacksonville, Baltimore, Seattle, and Carolina are primed to have... Uh, be able to overperform their draft values. And I could have gone down the road with Arizona. They have a great schedule. Uh, and obviously with the new air raid offense, they're going to be in a lot of shootouts, allegedly uh, or purportedly. But the reality is um, they're getting the hype. They're not going to surprise anybody. So I don't think by the end of when it comes to all the drafting, their ADP is going to be palatable. Um, but that's just the nature of everything. Uh now, transitioning a bit to close down our show, I just wanted to run through the first round and uh, describe how I would pick my first round if I was at every position in the draft and why I would do certain things over another. So, uh, starting at 12, I would pick Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, right there, I don't feel really great about anything, to be honest, in that spot. Um, I'm not really going to go down the Todd Gurley road right now at that spot. Julio Jones doesn't get the touchdowns for me. Joe Mixon is on a, a pretty poor team, has to play what I think are two good run-stopping defenses in the Browns and the Ravens. So that's four games right there. you got to play the Steelers, who are no pushover always. Uh, it's just not a guy I really want to invest in. Odell, he could honestly thrive with Baker. This could be a 12 to 15 touchdown season. Um Again, I could also see touchdown variants happening where he ends up with eight. So a mixed bag there. He has some injury concerns, but I feel pretty good about him hitting 1,212 uh, more times than not this season. So he falls in the 12 spot. At 11, in a very similar description, I like Michael Thomas. Uh, I'm not really convinced with any of those running backs right there. I really love his stability. I like the fact that I can really pencil him in for about 1,200 yards and 10-plus touchdowns. Uh, I think that them paying him really signifies that they want him a part of the offense. Um, I just don't know that he has the upside of like a... Uh, Devonte Adams or DeAndre Hopkins, uh, just given the fact that Sean Payton's a great coach, they added Jared Cook, they're going to spread the ball around, Alvin Kamara's there, Drew Brees still jumps in the end zone once in a while, Josh Hill gets on the field, and so they just spread it around more than I'm comfortable, but I think he's as safe as it gets, and that's why he makes the top 12 at 11. At 10, he's moved up my draft board quite a bit, but I have Nick Chubb right there, and the reason I have Nick Chubb is from a more so um, safety concern than anything else. Uh, one, I love his talent. We saw it last year. But we know this team wants to run the football. And I think they're going to surprise people with how good they are on defense, which means they're going to control the game. This is another knock on Odell. I don't think they're going to throw the ball as much. I think that, honestly, uh, Nick Chubb, until Kareem Hunt comes back, is going to touch the ball on the ground a minimum 20 times a game. And he'll probably catch a few more through the air with Duke Johnson gone. Yes, they like Hilliard, but it's the Nick Chubb show. And if you can get him 
ride him. And that's something that I have penciled at 10. With my 10th pick coming up in my draft, I'm going to be eyeing him. I am objectively more likely to do a zero RB draft uh, this year. But if Nick Chubb falls to 10 based on where we're at right now, I think I'm going to pounce. At 9, this is a position scarcity pick and just a sheer safety and uh, just consistency pick. It's Travis Kelsey. This guy's a freaking monster. Uh, again, like, I don't feel great about Zach Ertz. I don't, I mean, I'm feeling better about George Kittle with Dante Pettis not looking as good. But there's nobody anywhere close to the Travis Kelsey tier. I don't know who you want to talk, like, reference that could be there there's just nobody blocking him from having 100 catches and 1200 yards and eight plus touchdowns it's just nearly a lock and you know if he fell to me at 10 and Tony took 10 chub before i would actually take it even though i'm a proponent of going back end with my uh, tight ends at eight uh this may be a surprise for people it's deandre hopkins uh i think he's the best receiver in football don't get me wrong. From a talent perspective, I think he's the hardest to guard uh, pending wherever Antonio Brown is these days. However, uh, when Will Fuller and Will Fuller and Kiki Huchy are on the field, he gets cannibalized by their talents. It's not a knock on him. It's just good football. And now you add in the fact they have Duke Johnson as a uh, pass-catching running back, and this team's elite. They're going to move the ball. But we've seen DeAndre Hopkins thrive when he's force-fed 15 to 20 targets a game. I don't think that's realistic to expect. I would expect 8 to 13. He's still a wide receiver one. He's still in your top 10. But he's not going to be this 1,615 touchdown guy unless one of those guys gets injured, especially Will Fuller. Which is possible. So if you're banking on that, draft him higher. Uh, at seven, I have Devontae Adams. Um, look, I think he's a stud. I think Aaron Rodgers is a stud. I think the rapport is amazing. They're impossible to guard. They have the best timing in football, in my opinion, between quarterback and wide receiver. The issue for me comes into uh, whether or not those young developed or young receivers took a step forward and have a better rapport with Rodgers last this year than last year, which means that less targets will go to Devontae. He was being force-fed at the end of the season, um, something I capitalized on, which I was really happy about, and the fact that they play the Vikings and the Bears twice, uh, or four times, uh, two times each. And that's just not ideal. And again, the Lions slow it down. They're tough to play at home. So it's five games where you might have subpar performances. Uh, now, he's still a stud. He's going to get his. He can beat any coverage he's a phenomenal but when i want a first round pick i don't want to have any red flags and i have a couple there for Devonte, which has him a little lower than some other people have but again i have him higher than deandre because right now i see all i see no one uh competing with Devonte for targets whereas i see um deshaun watson more likely to distribute across their myriad of uh talented players at the sixth spot, this is purely based on the fact that he still doesn't have a contract and I have no idea what's going on and the theatrical Jerry Jones is chatting away and everything. It's Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know what else needs to be said. This guy's an elite talent behind an elite line. Uh, if he plays, he's was going to be my number one pick this year. Um, but right now, he's slid all the way down to six. He's extremely talented and we're just have to take a wait-and-see approach right now. But honestly, if, if I had the opportunity to draft him at six, I don't know that I would. Even if I knew he was playing, when a player doesn't play this much in the preseason it always gives me red flags when they try and turn it up for the regular season that's an injury risk for me uh, so i may opt elsewhere because i you cannot miss on your first round pick you need it you need it to be as solid as it can be so this is why i have the next two players ranked ahead of him uh james connor at the five spot yeah he got injured last year i get it 
but we know that Pittsburgh wants to have a bell cow back. They have a fairly easy running back schedule. Uh, let's take a look at this real quick, if I remember correctly. They have the second easiest running back schedule. He catches the ball. They're going to be down. They're not that great of a team. Their amount of weapons on their team has been truncated to basically Juju, him, and Vance McDonald. Say what you want about Dante Moncrief, but he's going to be the focal point, and I like that. So I like him at five. Uh, I have David Johnson at four for similar reasons. This team is emerging as potentially a high shootout, high volume team under the air raid. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to reduce percentage volume uh, to keep him healthy, but they're going to run so many plays, it's not going to matter. He can catch the ball. They're going to use him so much better. I like David Johnson a lot in the four spot. This may surprise people, but I honestly would feel terrible if he was on my team. I don't feel terrible, but I would be not satisfied if he was my number one player. I'd be very concerned. Uh, number three is Saquon Barkley. Uh, I think that teams are obviously going to stack the box. Uh, there's not going to be as uh, much running room for him when Odell was not there he was not the same last year uh, I just think there's a lot of question marks I don't want to tie my season to a player on a really poor team and I think the Giants are a really poor team so yeah in a PPR format full PPR he's a stud and he just drafted one but there's two other players that I feel more confident with over him number two is Alvin Kamara what can you say about this guy he's a freak he's unbelievable but he's kind of small so he could get injured uh, again, Sean Payton's come out and said that before, that he's not sure that he can handle certain amounts of loads. So he has to be extremely efficient, and he is. And he's in a dynamic offense with a ton of weapons, so they can't key in them. It's a lot of great things. They're going to put up a ton of points. Again, he's the two running back. Can't go wrong. And number one, and this is a surprise for many people, I am on Christian McCaffrey as my number one running back, my number one pick, my number one player stud person in a smash spot. I just don't see a way he fails to be a top player in fantasy football unless injury happens. Uh, everything seems to be in his favor. Uh, the team seems to be set up to thrive. Cam seems to be healthy. I'm on board with that. Uh, lock and load Christian McCaffrey as your number one in a PPR format. So just to recount, uh, you have Christian McCaffrey at one, uh, Alvin Kamara at two, Saquon Barkley at three, David Johnson at four, James Conner at five, Ezekiel at six, Devontae Adams at seven, DeAndre Hopkins at eight, Travis Kelsey at nine, Nick Chubb at ten, Michael Thomas at eleven, and OBJ at twelve. That'll do it for today. Um, going forward, I'll have a beer of the episode where I'll recount living in Madison, Wisconsin, I get all the best beers. So I will recount one of the best beers I've had recently, I guess off the top of my head. I can say that for the Great Taste Eve, I finally, after two years of hunting it, was able to try the Toppling Goliath out of Decorah, Iowa, Morning Delight. Oh my lord, it was a full body, 12% imperial stout. It was life-changing. If you have the opportunity ever to get it, I recommend it. They do not bottle it. It's a special occasion beer, and it was freaking amazing. Um, next episode, I'm going to focus on week one of the... Uh, NFL DFS season and we'll look at some under the radar stacks where Jacksonville is going to be brought up but I want to say that this was a lot of fun I hope you gleaned some information from it uh, thank you for tolerating my voice and have a wonderful rest of your day